0: Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times, and we'll try to post something every day usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. So three things came to mind for me this morning as I was sitting in the church here where I live, in front of the Lord, praying and reflecting on the scriptures that we have today. The first is uh, a line that jumped out at me in the Psalms. Second, perhaps a more common problem for us Living today, and third, an opportunity that this current crisis that we're living through right now might be affording uh, many of us, especially many families. So, first, the psalm. What what jumped out at me? It's Psalm one hundred and six. And so, most of us probably know that uh, during this time of year in Lent, the background of everything that the church is reflecting on in the Old Testament comes from the book of Exodus in a particular way, because the Exodus, that is to say, the liberation of the people of Israel. From hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, that one event is the crucial, what we call um, technically a type. It's the most crucial type for understanding what it is that Jesus has done for us. What's a type? A type is uh, either a person or a place or an image or a thing in the Old Testament that prepares for, foreshadows, if you will, either another person or place or event or thing in the New Testament. So um, scripture is a drama, and just like every other great drama, there's lots and lots of foreshadowing. And so there's things that happen in the Old Testament that prepare for what's going to be the fulfillment of these in the New Testament. So the Exodus, the story of liberation from slavery, is the foreshadowing of what it is that Jesus has done for us by his death and resurrection, which liberates us From the ultimate slavery, slavery of the power of sin and the slavery of death, Jesus's death and resurrection really has freed our race from those powers. I'm going to die, you're going to die, but it can't hold me anymore because Jesus has crushed death by his resurrection. That's why we're able to grieve with hope, for example. So anyway, back to the psalm today, there's a line in the psalm, it's a rebuke to the people of Israel that they forgot the God who had saved them and what they had done. In other words, they'd either taken for granted, or they just no longer called to mind, or they ignored the mighty acts that God had done in rescuing them from slavery, and that becomes the scathing rebuke of the Israelites. Well, I don't think that's really the problem for most American Catholics today. I don't think it's that we forgot what God's done for us. I'm not sure we've actually ever really learned it. I mean, how many people in our culture have grown up hearing that religion is pretty much just a matter of opinion, or it's it's just a, a personal preference on how to find, you know, some sort of interior peace, but it's detached from any and all reality. It's detached from actual events. It's about feelings. I don't think most people have really learned that faith rests on God's concrete historical acts, His works, most of all, His work of becoming man in the person of Jesus, and of course, especially His death and his glorious resurrection from the dead. These events, these historical events, this this is the foundation of our faith and the meaning behind them, the meaning why God would become man, the meaning why he would go to the cross, the reason why he would rise from the dead. These events, together with their meanings, these are the things that enable you and me to live with a sense of trust and hope in a god who isn't detached, who isn't distant, who isn't unconcerned, but who intervenes, who saves, who rescues. And all the more so is this important, I think, for us right now, living in the time that we're living in. So what's the, the opportunity that's in front of us that this crisis might be affording us? Well, here's how I would uh, encourage us to think about it, especially for families. I think the opportunity. For families right now is to step into the role that's given to you to be the first church. The the Catholic Church often refers to the family as the domestic church, but of course, you know, the church, unfortunately, is really great at using words or throwing words around that I don't know that we always explain well. So what does it mean to say that the family is the domestic church? It means it's the house church, meaning the home, the family, is supposed to be the first place where we learn about God. These are the promises that a a parent makes when they go to have their child baptized, you know. They take on the responsibility. They answer yes to the question, will you take on the responsibility of teaching your child in the ways of the faith? And of course, everybody says yes, but they often don't know what it was that they were really promising to do, and oftentimes the church has done just a terrible job of equipping them to be able to do that. I remember hearing a a friend of mine say to me one time, Father, I'm sick and tired of being told I'm the first you know, teachers of the faith to my children. I don't know how to do it. I need help. And one of the tasks for parishes to do, and certainly something to be put at the top of the list when we emerge from this crisis, is to continue to equip parents to do this well. But the the line that came to mind, again, as I was praying with the scriptures, is from the, the book of Exodus, chapter 12. So this is the passage where Moses gives the instructions on how to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover is the feast which commemorates the liberation from evil. And the Passover is the type, the foreshadowing, that prefigures the Eucharist that we celebrate, which makes present God's dramatic deliverance for us, or of us, from the powers of sin and death by Jesus's death and resurrection, which is what he's uh, preparing the apostles for at the Last Supper. So, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, starting in uh, verse 24, Moses says this, "...you shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever." and when you come to the land that the lord will give you as he has promised you shall keep this service and when your children say to you what do you mean by this service you shall say it is the sacrifice of the lord's passover for he passed over the houses of the people of israel in egypt when he struck the egyptians but spared our houses in other words moses is telling fathers in a most particular way that it will be their role, not anybody else's role, their role to explain to their children, why in the world are we doing this service? Like, what's up with this Passover? What's this all about? Children aren't going to know it unless parents teach them. Again, not somebody else teaches them, not the quote-unquote professionally religious people, parents. This is the unique privilege and honor of being a mom or a dad, to have the gift of introducing your children to what it is that God has done for us in Jesus, in his life, and above all, his death and his resurrection. So I kept thinking about, I've had tons of conversations over the last couple of days with friends who've just commented to me about um, all sorts of things that they're doing in their families right now that they haven't done in a while, because everything's been so chaotic, but suddenly... Most people aren't going out of their homes, so they're only going out for a walk, and so they've got time now. Nobody's in school, nobody's at work, or very few people are, and so what are are they doing? Well, they're doing puzzles, (laughs) or they're playing board games, or good grief, they're actually eating together, like every night as a meal, and then children are saying to their parents, hey, can I be excused right now? I mean, all sorts of things are happening which haven't happened in a long time for many families. So what can we do in these days right now? Well, start thinking this if you're a mom or a dad. Start now setting aside time that you're going to celebrate Holy Week. So just like you'd be looking at, you know, that little Lenten schedule that comes from a parish, perhaps saying, hey, here's the times for the Holy Thursday celebration or the Good Friday service or the Easter masses. So now start making a decision about we're going to, as a family, we're going to celebrate in our house church on Holy Thursday, something to call to mind what Jesus did that night. Start setting aside a time for that. Same thing for Good Friday. And then the same thing either for Holy Saturday or Easter Sunday. You know, what what can you do even now to start preparing for that? Well, maybe, you know, depending upon the age of your kids, you decide you're going to watch The Passion of the Christ as a family. And then you're going to talk about it. Or maybe you're going to watch Jesus of Nazareth And then you're going to talk about it. In short, start asking the Lord for inspirations and ideas. Like, just pray to the Holy Spirit. Give us help to understand how we, as this privileged role, as first teachers of the faith, can introduce, perhaps in a way like we've never been able to or been forced to introduce our children, to the extraordinary things that God has done for us in Jesus Remember, God's destined you and me for this time, even this crisis that we're living in with all the anxiety and the fears that are attached to it. But I was thinking about the Israelites and how oftentimes the parents were telling their children the story of God's great deeds in the midst of terrible calamities. You know, it's not like God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and then it was just this idyllic life ever after. Countless generations of our Jewish brothers and sisters have celebrated the Passover and have told their children about the great deeds God did in the midst of wandering in the desert or exiled from Jerusalem or during the destruction of the temple or the horrors of the 20th century. And yet they continue to teach what God has done because God is faithful and he acts. So for us right now, To believe in God is not to believe that everything will just magically turn out okay in the middle of a crisis that we're going through. It might not. I have no idea. I'm so tired of hearing empty promises about how this is just going to get better. Please, God, it will. I'm praying for the doctors and the nurses who are involved and on the front lines and all the other people on the front lines that God will give them inspiration and perseverance and courage as they do their work and that God will help them find a cure using their gift of their minds and their intellects so as to arrive at a solution for this virus. But no matter what happens, I don't have to be afraid because God's done something about death. I don't have to be afraid because in every situation, God gives grace for the moment. And so whatever you find yourself in right now, there's grace for it. And there's grace for me. So let's do all that we can in these days to try to learn more intently, more intentionally, what God has done for us in Jesus. Let's pour into the Gospels, most especially the passion stories, and walk with Jesus like we've never walked with him as a family. And then let's continue to ask him to help us to grow in faith, not some blind understanding a faith that's not rooted in reality and history and events, but the faith that's anchored in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Most especially to you parents, please hear this. Don't be afraid. God's with you right now in a most particular way. You were born for this.